With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are you still mowing the lawn back there? No, I'm good. Can you hear me? No, I just heard a lawnmower go all of a sudden. I was like, no, that was a guy driving a dirt bike through my neighborhood. Welcome to Lafayette, Indiana. Passing downfield, Anthrop open, touchdown Purdue, Jackson Anthrop. Send a lot right back to it, throws his deep ball for Moore, who's open, and he's got it, touchdown Purdue, Rondell Moore, he is incredible. King Dilru, lead flicker play, open, Bell has got it, touchdown Purdue, freshman David Bell, his first career touchdown catch. Bombs that again over the head of Rondell Moore, who backtracks, has it, then lost it. It's loose and recovered by Nevada. It's a second punt return problem for Purdue. First down, Toa Tawa. Some room. Toa Tawa. End zone. Touchdown, Nevada. Carloftis again. The heat over the middle. Sindelar, time, throws, Bell, it's intercepted, picked off by Brown on the tip drill near midfield, and Nevada gets the ball back with 38 seconds left in regulation. Brandon Talton with three seconds left from 56 yards out. Does he have it? Yes, he does! Nevada wins at the gun! It's good from 56 from the Greetings, everyone, and welcome to a depressing version of the Hammer and Ales football podcast, where, yeah, Friday night sucked, and we're going to talk about it because we just hate ourselves like that sometimes. And so uh, let's go around the room here. So we have Kyle joining us from Lafayette, Indiana. How's it going, Kyle? Uh, It's going good. You know, um, just near suicide watch from the fourth quarter collapse. But other than that, we're in good shape. Well, it's okay for probably most of our viewers at home. They couldn't see half of the game because of all the damn confetti. (laughs) (laughs) And going to the middle of the country, we have Drew in Kansas. How's it going, Drew? Two out of my three teams are doing well. I'm here to talk about the one that isn't. Of course. I mean, this is what brings in the big bucks these days. So we got to talk about them. So I guess without further ado, what happened on Friday? Kyle, we'll start with you, because I know Drew has a very long rant that he wants to do. Uh, yeah, and I've been, like I told Drew before, I've kind of been following what he's been saying. I kind of agree. Uh, you know, I think we ran out of gas a little bit in the fourth quarter. Our defensive line didn't rotate as much as I think all of us thought it was going to happen. 
uh, especially George Karloftis. Uh, I think he played over 70 snaps, which is kind of unheard of for, you know, a freshman defensive lineman. He should probably be rotating a little bit. Uh, Rondale Moore got burnt out in the first half. He was a no-show in the second half other than his two fumbled punt returns. Um, Elijah Sindelar shows that he still makes bad decisions, um, but still has a really big arm, but uh, stupid, stupid decisions. Uh, and then, you know, just the questionable play calling a little bit in the fourth quarter. Uh, lots of quarterback runs, which was weird. You know, not really moving the ball much whatsoever in the fourth quarter. Just a really questionable game for me all around. I'm not real sure if we thought we had Tim Tebow behind center to run him so much in the fourth. Um, Xander Horvath was averaging about four yards per carry in the first half. And it's like we completely abandoned him in the second half. So those were my initial thoughts. Uh, you know, Rondale got burnt out. Defense line lost the pass rush in the fourth quarter. And Elijah Sindelar still makes bad decisions. Yeah, it definitely seemed a little weird there when Sindelar made those runs. Like, it's like, I expect him to run when it's like, you know, maybe there's no other options going on. But as soon as he took the snap and ran for it, I'm just like, why? Why is this our option? I, I think that happened on a few third and longs as well. And it was just, it didn't make any sense. It just, I don't know. And in that fourth quarter, at least from my observation, because I was there, it seemed like we were starting to play with fire. And those, like, first down gains we had were just, like, just something that was pulled out of thin air. Like, the ball that looked like it was going out somehow fell into the hands of a receiver. Someone broke a tackle. But then it completely fell apart on the next, later on in the drive, or Sindelar had those interceptions. So... Yeah, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Was our only touchdown in the second half off of a flea flicker? Yes, yes. it was. It was the David mm. Bell touchdown. Yeah, this, is, this is why I drink uh, second half Purdue football. So the flea flicker was our only touchdown in the second half. Other than that, you know, it was it was kind of miserable to watch. A lot of, like you said, the quarterback uh, ISO, which was weird to see. Again, now Xander Horvath was averaging four yards per carry in the first half. Um, uh-huh. he, he ended up with 19 carries, I think, for like 67 yards. Uh, so I'm not sure why Elijah was like our primary ball carrier in the second half, but uh, it's just just a weird, weird second half for us because we were pretty much controlling the game the first uh, 30 minutes, I guess, first two quarters. And then after that, it was like, you know, Nevada made some adjustments and we made some bad decisions. Yeah. I mean, there was a few stalls in like the first in the first quarter after that first drive, but then they adjusted and it seemed like the tempo was flowing again, especially that long drive to end the first half. But yeah, I don't know what happened, but well, we know what happened. So let's turn it over to you <laughs> to give us the postmortem. I uh, thought we were in trouble from the from the start. I was worried about us from the start because I think people forget also uh, Rondale missed a lot of fall camp or part of fall camp with a leg injury. Isn't that right, Kyle? But yeah, you are absolutely correct. So coming into this game, it's questionable if he's in, in game shape. I mean, he's obviously still just an electric athlete, but he missed a good bit of fall camp with a leg injury. And then we start out on this first drive and we go, I'm just looking at the play-by-play. So Rondale Moore returned for 16 yards. Uh, he's on the kick return team. First and 10, Rondale Moore for 18 yards. And then we give him a break for a play. Uh, Rond- uh, we threw it to Milton Wright for four yards. And then the next play, Rondale Moore run for four yards. And then the next play, uh Rondale Moore, com- completion to Rondale Moore for five yards. And then we throw it to Bryson for a play. And then the next play, six yards uh, pass to Rondale Moore. 
Xander touches the ball once and for a 13 yard gain. And then we've got an eight yard pass to Rondale Moore. And then basically Xander sort of takes it in uh, from there until we throw a touchdown. So Moore on the first drive touched it, including the kickoff. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six times. And then we just, I mean, and then we, we have a three and out and then we go, Rondell Moore again, Rondell Moore again. At one point in the first in the first half, you see him like limp off the field and like take a knee, like propping himself on the helmet. And you can see like this camera zoom in. He just goes, it's hot. And he just looks exhausted. And we haven't even made it to halftime yet. I mean, this doesn't make any any sense to me sort of playing. I guess if you're going to play like that and burn out your best player in the first half, you, you better finish the team uh, in the first half. And we, we couldn't do that. And then the second half, Rondale, that was probably the quietest half of football. I think we've, you know, other than his two big mistakes that we've seen out of him in his career, um, just couldn't get it going. And when he got the ball, he didn't, uh, you know, the whole defense was keying on him. So we really just burned out, you know, Rondale in the first half. And then we just totally, our defense, looking at the snap count, and this is crazy. So Jalen Graham played 82 snaps. He's a true freshman. Uh, so his first game, Juan, you were there. How was, what was the weather like in Nevada? It was pretty warm, uh, even after the game, heading out. And um, I think it was in the 80s or something like that. And Purdue's sideline in the first quarter, I mean, eventually, you know, Someone down in his evening, but like in that first quarter, you know, they were in the sun for right during warm ups and all that, so that could have impacted. And then, you know, you also had a you know slight impact of the altitude as right. well that might have. I mean, I don't think that's the number one reason why they lost, but it's probably like reason number five, number seven. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, by the by the end of the game, Graham had 82 snaps, Marcus Bailey had 82 snaps, Derek Barnes had 82 snaps, Dedrick Mackey had 82 snaps. Does anybody want to guess how many plays we, the, the other team ran? 82. 82. There we go. Simeon Smiley had 81 snaps. Ben Holt had 78 snaps. George Karloftis had 77. Kenneth Major had 76 until he got hurt uh, in the on the last drive. Naval Mosley had 71. Anthony Watts had 65. Branson Dean had 47. And Lawrence Johnson had 27. And then you get into like Kai Higgins, who had 13. Grant had 12. And Diamond had 11. And then everybody else is just in the single digits. You know, we basically rotated one defensive tackle the entire game. That meant we left guys like uh, Cornell Jones, who had a started for as a freshman for us. Uh, he had he played four snaps. Jalen Alexander uh, played a snap. Um, at linebacker. Kai Higgins, who started all year last year for us, played 13 snaps. Uh, Gio- Giovanni Revere, who pl- who started for us for a whole year, played five snaps. And I, I don't understand. I understand that Karloftis is good, but is he as good at 77 snaps uh, when we've got a guy like Kai Higgins who could maybe take another 10, 15 snaps away from him so he's fresh? Same thing with Derek Barnes, who faded down the end. Uh, and Marcus Bailey was losing people in coverage. Uh, our cornerbacks were cramping and losing people in coverage. It's easy to watch them just sort of fade on the field in the fourth quarter. And I don't know if there's anything you can really do at that point because you want your best players on the field, but you probably should have started to start seven them out in the first quarter uh, so they just weren't toast in the fourth. And that's sort of where we were. And it, didn't, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because all, 
all the training camp we were hearing about, oh, we've got more depth this year. I mean, how many times have we heard about how strong Jeff Marks is? He didn't even see the field. How many times have we heard about uh, Eli Ball playing uh, that sort of uh, nickel linebacker spot? Didn't didn't get a, a snap on defense. And I just feel like it's a real waste of our talent uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And everybody wants to get hype about recruiting and how well they've done. But looking at the defense and the snap count, I'd say we've done terribly in recruiting because we can't get our guys on the field. Uh, I I agree with you on that, too. Like, uh, you know, we talked about like Cornell Jones, you said, played four snaps. I think you said six snaps, something like that. Yeah, this is a guy. This is a guy who was arguably at points in last year. He was like our best linebacker. Did he make stupid decisions sometimes with penalties? Absolutely. But he is a he's a good ball player. And the fact that he didn't really get on the field too much and give Ben Holt a breather, you know, uh, that's weird to me. I, I don't know. You got to find a way to get Cornell Jones on the field. If if that is putting him at on the edge and letting them rush the passer like we did with Derek Barnes, then so be it. Um, but he's a, he's a, he's a gamer that needs to be on the field. I think he, he like loves football. He flies around and he's really fun to watch. I thought last year. I mean, he's been in the program. It's not like he's a freshman either. He's been in the program for what three years. This is his third year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he should be ready to go. He should be m- more ready to play than Ben Holt, who came in over the summer. And so that's either we're not coaching him up or, or I don't, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with that. Same thing with Jalen Alexander, who, you know, he played, he's a super athletic linebacker. This guy played wide receiver in high school, wide receiver mm-hmm. and linebacker and flies around the field and played last year. And you would think that was just the kind of guy you'd want in the game against that spread offense that Nevada was trying to run and he won play the whole game. And it just, to me, that made, made no sense at all. Uh, what we were doing on defense, trying to just run our guys into the ground. And then on offense, the same thing. We heard about how we were going to rotate, rotate our offensive linemen, five offensive linemen played the entire game. And again, that really has to speak to recruiting. We aren't comfortable playing the guys we recruit. I mean, we've got a true fre- uh, Bramble's a freshman. Criddle played defensive tackle. You're telling me that a guy that was playing defensive tackle last year is better than anybody in the first three recruiting classes we brought in. I mean, for a whole game. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And then, like Wall was saying, we thought uh, suddenly in the fourth quarter – Elijah Sindelar and his arthritic left knee, they turned him into Deshaun Watson running the ball. I mean, that's that's a good way to lose your starting quarterback in the first game of the year. I and mean, luckily nothing happened to him. But I mean, I'm not every time he takes off, I'm holding my breath because he's had two major knee reconstructions in what, five years? Yeah. And missed practice because his knee wasn't right again. It, it was. It was. I'm. I'm with you. We heard about all this depth all all off season, and it was just weird to see that we didn't really rotate anybody at linebacker. We stayed in like a four two five set where we only used a you know a couple of different guys at linebacker, and then on offense, it was it was just bizarre to me not to see more rotation. The most rotation we saw was at wide receiver. Um, right. You know, you saw Sparks, Milton Wright. David Bell, Rondale, Jackson, Anthrop. Um, you know, there's there's a good solid rotation there, but 
outside of that, you know, um, Darius Pittman came in to play some blocking tight end, but when it was a passing down, Hopkins was the guy. I mean, and Sindelar running late. That's, that's weird. I'm, I'm with you too. It's like playing with fire a little bit. Two torn ACLs, tendonitis in, in his knee last year. Didn't he have a, a midsection injury last year to start the year off too? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. I, you know, and are some of those young guys that Brown recruited not ready yet? Maybe, you know, maybe, but we're in the year three now. And some of those guys are redshirt sophomores and um, they need to get on the field. I mean, those, those guys got to play, even the redshirt freshmen, they got to play. Um, and we got to start building some depth here. Yeah. And I'm really worried about that second, our second recruiting class, that first full class that Brom brought in that everybody, you know, talked up and thought was so great. Those guys aren't on the field. Like that's starting to look like a lost class almost. I mean, you've got a couple of them playing uh, major uh, and Dean's getting some Mackie action. That, was Mackie in that class? I don't think so. I think he was in that first class. I, if I remember almost correctly, I think he was a uh, holdover from uh, that weird sort of Hazel. I'll have to look it up real quick. That Hazel Brahm mismatch class. Uh, but yeah, we're like, I mean, we're seeing a lot of recruiting misses or just not being comfortable playing some of the guys we brought in. That second class had two wide receivers in it that didn't see the field. Uh, while, you know, Rondell Moore is returning kicks and punts and fetching water. And I think he's cleaning the bathrooms at halftime. I mean, he was doing everything on the field. I'm surprised we didn't play him on defense too. Uh, and, I mean, we've got other guys that can do it pretty well. Um, I want Rondale Moore at 100% in the fourth quarter, you know, just carving up tired defenses instead of, uh, you know, him just gassed and trying to uh, catch his breath on the sidelines after just being beat up the entire game. So, yeah, that was looking at that the 2018 class. Obviously, Moore and Anderson, who I like, played. But then you got Corey Taylor, who didn't play. Jack Plummer is obviously the backup. Uh, Jimmy McKenna is an offensive tackle. Didn't uh, let's see. Yeah, didn't see him. Uh, Bramwell played. Alexander didn't play. Jack Smith didn't play. Corey Smith barely played. Kelvin Stokes didn't play. Jordan Bonner didn't play. Jack Sullivan didn't play. Jack Kravak didn't play. Caden Smith didn't play. Eric Miller, I think he's hurt. I think he's our backup tackle, or was hurt, didn't play. Jeff Marks didn't play. I think Jordan Rucker transferred. Willie Lane didn't play. Byron Perkins didn't play. Eli Ball didn't play. Like that's a lot of sophomores that could have got on the field that either were play or freshmen were playing over the top of them, um, which is not great, or just for whatever reason didn't see the field and uh, we ran out of gas. I mean that was obvious. So the problem is you're running out of gas and you got a bunch of guys that won't be playing that don't play as sophomores that have been in the program for, you know, two training camps, two fall camps. Uh, you're not going to win a lot of games, especially in the big 10. Yeah. It does seem weird because it's like, all right, there's what 85 scholarship players. Like you can't expect all 85 to take a snap in a game, but to have that many not play and just rely on like one set of players the whole time. I mean, it really does explain quite a bit of what happened there in that fourth quarter. 
Right. I mean, they scored 27 points on us in the in the second half. And in some of that, it was just, you know, stupid turnovers. Right. Uh, you know, they had 11-play drive. They, they ended the game or ended the game on 11-play touchdown drive, 11-play touchdown drive, and then that six-play field goal drive at the end. And we couldn't stay on the field. We don't have a running game. We're afraid to hand the ball off to Horvath because he may only get four yards a carry. I mean, we're not patient enough uh, for that to, to work. So we're going to give him a, the ball on first down and then throw it deep and then throw it deep and then punt. I feel like we forced a lot of stuff uh, to some of the young uh, freshmen to get him involved. That's what happened on that last interception when Eli forced the ball, tried to force the ball to David Bell on that sideline uh, route when it was over under coverage. Uh, and we just tossed it up in the air. And the one thing I will say about Sindelar is from the games I've watched, when he sits back in the pocket and throws the ball, he's good. But when they start moving him around, I feel like he gets hyped up almost too much, and he starts taking hits, and then he starts chucking the ball and trying to make plays uh, that aren't there first interception he was running you know scrambling out of the pocket and threw his perfect strike to the uh, you know the Nevada player and then the other interception he just chucks it down the field I feel like in that first on that first drive where he just sat back caught the ball got it out of his hand the offense looked great he looked like an NFL quarterback uh, but when you start moving him around, yeah, I think he gets too excited and he starts making stupid decisions. And some of that's got to be on the coaching staff to say, uh, we've seen this for four years. Uh, maybe we shouldn't ask him to do that. And speaking of the coaching staff, I mean, I I put this in my the article I wrote very late in the evening that I thought was good. And then when I read it the next morning, I'm like, holy cow, this is riddled with errors. I should stop writing it after midnight. But part of my thinking is that Brom has struggled in fourth quarters and late in the games. Like we've seen uh, just last year alone, you know, you had the Eastern Michigan game that was lost on a field goal, the Missouri game, the Wisconsin game as well. But then you also have the game like Northwestern where they were within a touchdown after being down a bunch, they were within a touchdown or within one score in the fourth quarter, but couldn't get it done. You have some games where Purdue had a sizable lead and then almost lost it um, as well. And, it just it seems to be a chain of events. And I think in the past we've blamed like, oh, well, he's still using Hazel players or, oh, well, you know, that's a young team. But part of me, I mean, I still like Brom, don't get me wrong, but I'm starting to question, you know, can does Brom know how to like actually like close out these games as well? Because uh, to me, it seems like he's, this is, you know, one of his flaws. And it's weird because we talk about like, oh, you know, he's got all these leftover Hazel players, but that's pretty much who he plays. Grant Hermans, Hazel player. Matt McCann was a Hazel player. Uh, Sindelar was a Hazel recruit. Hopkins was a Hazel recruit. Sparks was a Hazel recruit. Uh, and then on defense, uh, it was a little, a little more turnover. Uh, but, you know, Bailey was a Hazel recruit. And so Mosley was a Hazel recruit. Watts was a Hazel recruit. Um, I'm missing the, uh, Neil was a Hazel recruit. Neil, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talk we talk about him having to play Hazel recruit, but those are some of his best, uh, some of the best guys that he sort of rides the whole time. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, there's a few of those Hazel guys left over that are finally older 
and are making a contribution for sure. Like Lorenzo Neal and Marcus Bailey, those are both NFL football players, right? I mean, Lorenzo Neal, there's an ESPN predicts Lorenzo Neal going the first two rounds of the 2020 draft. And uh, Marcus Bailey is going to be a mid-round selection. And, you know, like we're talking about, are some of the Braun guys still real young? Yeah, absolutely. My, my thing, I think, with the fourth quarter, though, that you're talking about, Juan, with giving up some leads and stuff, is I feel like our offense is high risk, high reward almost, where we're taking shots, taking shots, you know, trick plays. There's no real medium, I feel like. And in the fourth quarter, it feels like we're still taking those high risk, high reward plays when we should almost be in like a constant four minute offense where we are pounding the ball with our running backs, you know, four or five yards of carry with Xander Horvath. Um, that's just kind of how it feels like we're high risk, high reward offense. Like we should be able to line up against an undersized Nevada team and just run the ball down their throat. That runs a three, three stack. Right. I mean, I mean, run, block the stack. That's, it's not that hard. You, you should get four yards of carry against the stack. Right. Double double the nose guard and then run behind your guard near center and you're going to get with your 230 pound back and you're going to get four yards. And look, mm-hmm. Horvath is not a guy that's going to break off like a 80 yard run. You know, he's not a guy that's going to get you 20, 30 yards on a, on a, on a chunk, but he's a guy that you're going to get four yards out of uh, pretty much every time you hand it to him. Uh, and four plus four plus four, I have an English degree, but one, can you confirm what that equals? My sources say that that equals 12 yards, which, assuming there's no penalty, should get you a first down. That should. That sounds like that should do it. Then, you know, we've got let's, that last drive. It's it, uh, before before Sindelar throws the interception. Uh, it's 31-24. We've got the ball uh, at six, 6.56 to go. Again, Rondell Moore returns the punt, which, again, I'm so confused about. But first and 10, Eli runs the ball for five yards. Second and five, Eli runs the ball for seven yards. First and 10, we throw the ball to Rondale for three yards. Second and seven, we throw the ball to Rondale for a first down. And then first and 10, we throw the ball to Sparks. And second and 10, Eli runs for a loss of two yards. And third and 12, we throw the ball incomplete again. And so we get the ball... Uh, and we don't run any time off the clock. We run 319 off the clock, and we put our defense right back on the field after an 11-play 11, an 11 drive. We didn't have any drive in the second half. That uh, we had Our first drive was four minutes. Then our second drive was that flea flicker, which was 30 seconds. The next drive was uh, the interception, two minutes, 39 seconds. Next drive is two minutes, 46 seconds. Next drive is 319. Next drive is 12 seconds. And you wonder why our defense is gassed. I mean, we're not holding on the ball at all against a team we should be able to dictate terms to. This is very strange. Uh, And some of it is obviously Tario's hurt. I think... I think that plays a role in it because I, I saw him, Tario, as a guy that was, I mean, going to get 15, 20 carries a game and then maybe Horvath come in and pick up another, you know, seven, eight on short yardage. Uh, and maybe, you know, Tario being out and us just not trusting Xander, uh, you know, to carry that sort of load uh, and then not trusting King Doru or uh, our other guy who didn't pl- actually play at all, Hewitt, and, you know, he didn't play. And so we're left with really one running back 
And then Horvath is out there on special teams. Like, (laughs) do we not have anybody else that can play special teams other than the one, like, player we trust to hand the ball to? That's exactly how uh, Terrio got hurt, too, was doing the special teams drill before the inter-squad scrimmage on kick return. He got teed off on and broke his jaw. Yeah. I mean, mean, Xander's the one that had the ball doinked off his helmet for uh that on that kick, that kick uh, coverage thing. But, you know, he's got to be tired. He's playing more in that game than he's probably played in what, since he was a senior in high school? And he's a Richard Jr.? Is that right? Sophomore. Sophomore, Richard. Sophomore. He's been in the program three years. And I guess that's probably played more snaps uh, against Nevada than he played the entire time, uh, his entire career. And he's still in on special teams. I mean – we can't at least get our the dude that squats like a thousand pounds. Uh, Alfred Armour can't take his spot uh, as as Rondell's personal protector, I guess, on punt returns. Uh, it just doesn't. The the roster management to me has always been questionable. And this year, I thought we would see more. Like I said, see more of Brahms players and more of the younger guys and some of those sophomores and redshirt sophomores. And they're just not on the field. Even some of them on special teams. Uh, yeah, so. it's, it, it, it is a little strange though. I like why is Rondell Moore out on on punt return? You know, Jackson Anthrop handled the punt return duties fine all last season. And he's so much less used. Why is Jackson just not back there? I mean, most of the time in college football, it's, it's a fair catch. Okay, right. Jackson Jackson Anthrop can surely fair catch a, a punt return. We watched him do it all last season. So I don't know what's up with that one. Um, and then again, like like you said, Horvath playing special teams. That that shouldn't. This should be Alfred Armour playing special teams. Our four string running back. Um, right. And he's and he's a sophomore walk on too. And you know, he, he's a big, strong guy. He could play the exact same thing that Horvath's doing on special teams. So it is a little mind-boggling. I, I completely do uh, agree with you on that. And Anthrop knows that if the ball's on the ground on a punt, you just leave it. You don't run yeah, you after don't, it. You don't chase it. And then also there was that one where Moore and Grant were both out there on a punt. Mm-hmm. They both were number four. Yeah, the coach has talked a little bit about that. Apparently, they Grant is like in their dime package, and uh, since Nevada was using their like back, was it using their first string quarterback or their backup quarterback to punt? I can't remember, but they were doing those pooch punt things, and so they ran more out onto the field late while with the defense still on the field, basically, and that's why. There was two number fours on the on the field. Why you have two players with the same number when you have access to a lot more numbers is confusing to me. Anyway, uh, just on the off chance that that might happen, I mean that's just a coaching flop there. That's just terrible. Yeah, those pooch punches just piss me off every time because it's like they're going to do it. They do. They're lining up like as if they're going to go for it in their right. deep in their own territory. And oh, surprise! They're pooching it again. Um, and we have no one back there, but towards the end of the game, having no one back there ended up being a blessing. Anyway, right. that was the best, that was the best punt return of the evening. I'll tell you, I watched, you know, I, as a Clemson grad, I write for one of the Clemson websites. I watched a lot of Clemson play football and that's sort of the standard right now. And, uh, Clemson had, uh, not last, the year before Ray Ray McLeod, who's an NFL wide receiver. Uh, actually he just got cut. I think he just moved down to Carolina, but, five-star guy he 
uh, had trouble with the punt, so we just put Hunter Infro back in punt return, and he just fair caught everything, and that's what we did. And all of, and we didn't have another trouble with punt return again because all we did was fair catch the ball and trust the offense. The thing is, we I don't think we need Rondell uh, in especially in that game to uh, break a big punt return in the third quarter. What we need to do is get the ball and and run our offense. So what you're saying is the key to winning the national championship is just a fair catch every punt. We, yeah, we do a lot of that. You'll watch Clemson does a lot of that. We fair catch punts. We don't run punts out of the end zone because we're like, well, we want the ball in our offense's hands. And, you know, why, why risk the chance of a turnover uh, when you can just fair catch it and go to be fair. Rondale was trying to fair catch that, directional punt that doinked off Horvath's head. But that's sort of the, uh, uh, weirdly, it's sort of a part of Rondell being back there is you're going to get those directional punts. Mm -hmm. That is the benefit of him being back there is teams punt away from him. So you do get improved field position. Uh, I will say that, you know, he's a playmaker and he's going to try to make a play uh, on everything. Uh, And so if he can't restrain himself to just take the, take the easy easy out then you just need to stick somebody else back there and let him save his legs same yeah. thing on kick returns i don't know why he's back there on kick returns it's just asking for him to get blown up but now we know what clemson does and that's how they're able to beat an sec team in the national championship and speaking uh-huh. of beating sec teams <laughs> i've been i was actually working on that transition in my mind for like it, the last that's 10 seconds beautiful. Oh, that was beautiful uh we got an sec team coming to west lafayette because it just means more uh, with Vanderbilt <laughs> coming to town, the other black and gold team of oh. the SEC. So what are the so Vandy's normally you know kind of one of the bottom dollars of the SEC, and they came off what a thirty to six loss to number three George uh, over the weekend. That is correct. Yep. They got something like that. So both teams are coming in licking their wounds, and so uh, what should we expect this Saturday at high noon in Rossaid? Kyle, we'll start with you. A uh, heavy dose of Keyshawn Vaughn, um, especially if we don't fix the defensive line rotation. You're going to see a tired defensive line once again, tired linebacker core. Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, Drew and I were talking about it before the podcast, averaged eight yards per carry last year. He had 1,200 yards rushing and 12 touchdowns on eight yards per carry. Um, so I'm sure that's going to be the primary focus, uh, stopping the run. If you remember, right, like Boston College last year, we sold out on stopping the run, tried to make the quarterback beat us last year at home, um, and that worked out pretty well for us. Uh, I think we're like eight, eight, eight and a half point favorites, something like that at home. Um, and obviously, after being favored on the road at Nevada, I'm not very confident uh, in what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, maybe we'll see a more balanced attack by our pretty Boilermakers. Um, and I think you'll see us selling out to stop the run, making the quarterback try to beat us this weekend. Yeah, that's what I expect, too. I expect that you'll, you're you going to see a lot of – Vandy's going to try to control the game. That's that's the, the only way they they can score enough points to beat us. Uh, is if they control the clock and keep our offense on the sideline. Um, they're not an explosive offense. They've got a, a grad transfer quarterback, I believe, from Ball State. Keyshawn Vaughn, as you know, he's a form. We recruited him hard at Purdue. Uh, and I think he, if I recall correctly, signed at Illinois and played there 
didn't play there for unknown reasons and then transferred to Vandy where he's lit the SEC on fire. I mean, last year he had 157 carries for uh, 1,244 yards, averaged 7.9 a carry and had 12 touchdowns. You can also catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. He had two receiving touchdowns. You know, didn't do a lot against Georgia, but not a lot of people do because that's a nasty, nasty defense, uh, especially when you're trying to run the ball. We'll we'll go into it. We'll be in more of a three linebacker. We'll be in a three linebacker look all game, um, which will, will help because I think our linebackers are our strong suit. Uh, Kyle, what's your thought on that? Well, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I mean, you have obviously Ben Holt who has experience. You have uh, Marcus Bailey who's going to be an NFL guy. Cornell Jones who has experience. Jalen Alexander has experience. Um, I would say so. Um, ex- just in terms of depth and experience, uh, I think I think that probably is our strongest group uh, in terms uh, on on defense. So I feel like I feel like playing a team like Vandy is going to be more traditional I formation, uh, a little less you know four wide, a little uh, where we have to go into our you know four two uh, five and play three. Uh, defensive backs. I think. I think being able to get have three linebackers on the field will be a little more comfortable. Johnson. I thought Lawrence Johnson played well. I thought he should have played more. Uh, honestly, I felt like he did a good job as the really the only nose tackle that we have uh, now that Neil's out. I, when we move Watts over to that spot, I just don't think he's as good at the nose as he is over at the three technique where we usually play him uh, when Neil's healthy. Uh, and so we were, we just went super undersized. I know they love Branson Dean and he had a big play on one of those drives and drew a holding penalty that almost saved us the game. Branson Dean's not going to hold up against Vandy. Vandy's going to try to steamroll him. Uh, if you're going to play uh, like a six, two, six, three, 270 ish pound defensive tackle, uh, they're going to line up and just try to eat his lunch. Uh, all game so we're gonna see i think we're gonna need to see more lawrence johnson um was anybody surprised not to see see any stefan and um, stefan i'm gonna butcher his last name anybody want to help me with that for chow is that it okay I'm, I'm, that's how i say it i'm pretty sure it's wrong i think it's more yeah. like for show or something like that for show oh show yeah, he's good. He should, he should probably be, especially with Lorenzo Neal out. You know, you need another another guy to plug a gap. Uh, you could play him and Anthony Watts. You actually have a Big Ten size defensive tackle. I'm also a little surprised we didn't see Purdue slide. Uh, I feel like defensive end is also the strong suit, and I'm a little surprised you didn't see Purdue move George Karloftis inside on passing downs mm. uh, and bring in another defensive end. Uh, I just felt like we didn't really have a whole lot of uh, creativity uh, as far as uh, our personnel. And I don't know if we were just trying to play it close to the vest and uh, – and just got burned. If we were, that was a pretty big mistake if we were holding back. But I don't know what what to expect out of that defensive tackle position. I sort of talked about it a lot uh, in the offseason about me about being worried. Everybody's like, oh, we got this new guy, four-star defensive tackle. We're going to be okay. We're going to play our depth. And well, I didn't see that at all. And Vandy's got a monstrous offensive line. I was looking most of their guys are you know over 300 pounds 
easy. I mean, their left tackle is like 6'7", 330 or something. 6'7", yeah, 330. So they're going to try to run it straight down our throats. If we can't stop that, they're just going to do it until we, until we keel over on the field. Okay, I was going to say, uh, I think it's going to be much more noticeable uh, not having Lorenzo Neal out there this week. Um, Vandy's going to try to run the ball whether it be, you know, out of their like little eye formation they do out of gun, they're going to try to run the ball. And I think not having Lorenzo is actually going to show much more this week than it did last week. Yeah. I was surprised Nevada didn't test us more up the middle because they've got, they had two little husky little running backs that can, mm-hmm. that can grind out some yards, but they were more than happy there in the fourth quarter just to sort of uh, spread the field out and pick on our corners and then have their quarterback uh, run, even though I felt like Major played well uh, until mm-hmm. he got hurt. And that was definitely an interception. No, I was looking up uh, Vaughn's stats when he was at Illinois. And sure enough, that 2015 season, he only had one game where he rushed for over 100 yards. Can you guess which game that was? Oh, I imagine it's uh, against Purdue. Yes. I mean, he had 98 against Nebraska, but he ran for 180 yards in the 2015 game at Ross Aid and had two touchdowns. 2016 game, the one where, you know, Hazel iced the kicker. You know, he didn't produce much, only two attempts for 31 yards. But uh, yeah, uh, Kishan Vaughn has some experience in Ross Aid Stadium, unfortunately. So he's going to be a beast to handle this Saturday afternoon, like you guys were saying. All right. Well, I think we've had enough uh, doom and gloom for uh, one night. Um, you know, <laughs> hope springs eternal. There's definitely, if, if anything during the Brown era, we've proven to be slow starters and hard closers. Uh, so I was hoping that maybe we could, you know, start fast and in fast, but <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, so well, I mean, twenty seventeen uh, started slow but ended fast. Last year it was like started slow, had a good middle, ended poorly. So maybe this year true. we, you know, I, I don't know. We got to average that out. <laughs> well, let's just beat Vandy. I think yes. I think we could just all start. That was a weird Morgan Burke scheduled game out in the desert in the middle of the night in front of like 35 people. It was a weird way to start the year in a weird atmosphere. Let's come home, get it sorted out, and just uh, spread the ball out and uh, ring up some points on Vandy. Because I think if we hit 30 on Vandy, they can't beat us. I think that's fair. So, any last thoughts before we sign off? Well, I believe in Brom. The first game was just a little rough. I think he'll make adjustments. Uh, and I think defensively they'll make adjustments. I think we'll be okay. Um, historically, Brom teams do start slow. You know, we saw it the first two years at Purdue. He even started a little slow at Western Kentucky in year one there. Um, so, he'll make adjustments. He'll get this team going. He'll find the, you know, the right mix of guys and, and I still have us going bowling. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's just not how you wanted to see the season start. Yeah, I said at the beginning of the year that I think we would be uh, looking at, uh, you know, six to seven wins. I thought we had a hard cap at eight. 
that was like best case scenario. And I think we're still, I think we're going to be strapping for that six win uh, and then seven in a bowl game. Uh, and this doesn't change anything. I think it may just pull that projection, you know, back from seven regular season, trying to win eight in a bowl game to, you know, six in the regular season and trying to win seven. And, you know, Brom still, this is still a transition year. And I, you know, I've been, you know, talking, uh, I still have faith that Brom's going to get this done. Uh, he's a good coach. Uh, I think he's got some more adjustments that he needs to be make to his coaching style, but I think I, I, he's going to do it. It's just, I would like to see it this year, but I feel like this is really his last mulligan year where I get it. He, we're not very deep. He's not very comfortable playing some of those guys. Didn't get us as fast a start in the recruiting maybe as people thought we did just because the recruiting under Hazel was so bad that we improved, but maybe not to the level I think people thought we did, especially in those first two classes. Uh, so I really feel like this last class was his first uh, class he was real comfortable with. And I think this next class is going to be, uh, you know, even sort of, the bedrock of the program. So I, I really think like the true freshman this year, you should consider the bedrock of this Purdue program going forward. Uh, and it's sort of playing out with who's playing. Uh, so we're still on the right track. Uh, I feel like long-term short-term uh, is, you know, just a little disappointing right now, but hope springs eternal. As I said, it's a good point. So personally, from my view, I still have hope in Brom. But at the same time, I think historically across college football, year year three of a coach at a school is typically like their bellwether. Their bellwether year kind of shows you, you know, okay, they've they now most of their players are pretty much their own, and it kind of shows you, you know, what coach what kind of coach they're going to be now that they're out of that transition phase. So hopefully we see something good in year three with Brom as well. And and side note too, as weird as the game was at uh, having a game up in Reno. Going there, it was pretty nice being able to make a quick trip up to Lake Tahoe beforehand. It's probably the only nice part of Reno is going to Lake Tahoe, but I, I, I'll say I did enjoy that part. But I do have one more thing to add. Currently, it is Notre Dame 14, Louisville 14 in the second quarter, and if Louisville beats Notre Dame, uh, I won't be on Twitter for like a couple weeks because uh, Louisville people will be looking for me. <laughs> I mean, who do you even cheer for in that game, honestly? You know, I don't know. I'm not watching it. I, I feel it's too dirty to watch Notre Dame. So anyway, on that note, uh, for Kyle and for Drew, this is Swan signing off, and uh, let's hope for a win this Saturday against Vanderbilt. Boiler up.